We are Pro Cannabis Media. This past week, Boston was the place for the 2019 Cannabis World Congress and Business Expo at the Heinz Auditorium. Delivering the keynote address on opening day of the conference is James Smith, a founding partner of Smith, Costello, and Crawford, a leading law firm on public policy. Recognized as a leader on cannabis advocacy in the Commonwealth, James Smith is also a regular on my old station, New England Cable News. Now, he's on In the Weeds with me, Jimmy Young, next. Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD, and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains, and 100 chemicals, all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another very special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young on location at the CWCB Expo in the Heinz Auditorium. This is a B2B Expo for the cannabis industry. They have other expos in both New York and in Los Angeles, so Boston's in pretty good company here. And speaking of being in pretty good company, I'm here with Jim Smith of Smith, Costello, and Crawford. He's an attorney in the Boston area. Your reputation precedes you, sir. Even amongst your peers, they think you're pretty cool. That's very kind. We do a lot of work in cannabis. Uh, we represent a large number of, of clients, and uh, it's uh, it's been a challenge, a fun but a challenge. Uh, uh, it's uh, actually a little law firm has grown now. We're, we're close to there's like five of us who work almost exclusively just in cannabis, uh, and uh, it's uh, we pay you know it, it it takes time. I mean, getting licensed, getting the regulations, there's so many issues, Jimmy, uh, with uh, with cannabis uh, that uh, I've never ever dealt with a legal matter anything like this issue and of course all the laws are new which means it's subject to interpretation by judges and by attorneys and by others yes well absolutely not only the laws it's the it's the regulations which are 80 to 90 pages long and then the guidances which come out from the cannabis control commission and then the interpretations of the guidances of the regulations of the statute we don't have a whole lot of case law it's too new uh, and frankly, the industry doesn't have a whole lot of capital where folks have, have the money to sue anybody. So we're trying to sort this thing out. But really, it's, it's the regulations, how they're interpreted, how they're drafted. The statute itself, uh, which sets up everything, uh, was drafted by well-intentioned legislators, friends, in fact. But no one had any experience. Nobody has ever regulated cannabis before. And they did the best they could. And now we have the statute, which gave us regulations, which gives us guidances, which gives us interpretations. And they're challenging. It's a great word. Fascinating and challenging. Oh, indeed, both, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and 
unfortunately, can, they can be unpredictable. As the Cannabis Control Commission staffs up, which is terrific because they, they need to, but they're staffing up. Uh, well, there's over 100 folks over there now, but nobody has any experience regulating cannabis because no one's ever regulated cannabis. Uh, and so they're learning on the job. You may file a document uh, with, that, gets that gets reviewed by one individual. It may file a very similar document for a different client that gets reviewed by a second individual, and they'll come back with to two totally different responses, which is understandable. And we understand it. We get it. It's hard to explain to clients. But, hey, this is all new. They're trying. The governor of the Commonwealth, Charlie Baker, even before the vaping crisis, and we'll get into that in a moment, wanted to make sure that this industry was a, had a slow beginning. He wanted the industry to crawl before they walk, before they run. Do you think he's accomplished this to the nth degree? Well, it's been a very slow beginning for lots of reasons. I mean, the statute is the fact that no one really has any experience. Well, in a lot from Colorado, we were able to bring that over to our regulations. But again, again, that's interpretations. And this state has a long history of strong local control. We are incredibly, we are the most conservative, most blue state in the country. Uh, we're very blue, but we look at things when it comes to our backyards a little differently. Uh, and so while people voted for cannabis, they didn't mean to have it in their town. They just meant to have it in their state someplace else. And so it, 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 it has rolled out very slowly. The governor might have been a cause, but really just the fact it's all brand new and there's a lot of local control. That local control here really is driving the fact that we're very slow. And the industry lacks capital. It's very expensive. The barriers of entry are incredibly high. And that, that therein lies why you get to deal with multi-state operators, and that seems to be the, um, uh, I don't want to call it a controversy, because it's a fact of life in this business. Yeah, it's not a controversy. I, 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 you know, it's important to have capital come into the state. Some of these out-of-state operators have purchased some of our local businesses, which is fine. Uh, the great majority, however, are very much locally owned, locally managed, uh, and all that's to the good. Uh, the fact that capital comes in can't be a bad thing. We're, we're very much short capital. Uh, and, you know, I like it to the circular firing squad. Hey, I may not look like you would be the same as you, but we're in the same industry. And this industry hasn't got off the ground yet. Let's all work together. Let's get something going. Let's have a big pie to fight over. Uh, rather worried about who's getting what slice of the pie. Let's get the industry up and healthy and serving the consumers. And then we'll look at it. Sure, there's going to be big players. I liken it to the beer industry. Bud Light is a gigantic player, but craft brewers are doing very well. Exactly right. And there's room for everybody in this adult world. You know, that, that's what I keep thinking anyway. Well, this state, I mean, we're the only state here in Massachusetts, we're east of the Mississippi, where, where we have adult use. Uh, we've got, you know, 28 stores open now. That's all uh, adult use stores. We all in, we have 53, including medical. Uh, and we're probably a $2 billion market, potentially, in the next couple of years. And as more states come in, that might change a little bit, but not a whole lot. Because, uh, ironically, our biggest competitor, unlike any other industry you could name, isn't the next state over or the next business over. It's the illicit market. 85% of all the cannabis sold in our state, it is, it is estimated, is sold illegally. That's our competition. We've got to have a better product at a good price point and drive that market out because that's a very dangerous market. As we see with the vaping crisis, Charlie Baker, uh, the only governor in the United States, decides to, in the eyes of public health, stop vaping for four months. 
did he overstep? Well, four months, three months, five months, I don't understand the, 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 all the rationale. I would differentiate, though. Uh, and, and the governor wisely was thinking about the under-21 market, the young people. Well, they're not in our market. You can't get into our stores. Under state law, you can't even enter the, you can't, you can't go through the door. If you came to our store as a young mother with a baby in a carriage, we wouldn't let you in. The baby's not 21. We would not let you in. You can't get into our stores, let alone purchase a good, uh, any of our goods. Uh, but vaping is an issue, and it is an issue with the under 21, the younger people. But that's on our industry. That's on our market. I think he, there, sh there should be some differentiation there. Or at least have thought about the effects that that might have on this side of the uh, operation, too. And I, again, I think it was an impulsive thought. In And again, look, he's trying to react to uh, a danger for public health without a lot of knowledge, to be honest. Again, cannabis is all brand new. Quite legitimately, he reacted to a danger to public health. I think, though, that the fact that our product is tested before anybody could purchase it, uh, and it's really the additives. I don't think it's not. I mean, I'm no scientist, but my sense is it's not THC. It's what's added. We can't add anything to our THC because when it tests, it'll test out. Uh, it won't pass. Uh, and so, again, what the illicit market is doing, I have no idea. But I would advise everybody, don't go near the illicit market. I mean, never mind the cost. And, and the, in fact, I know it's very available. It's on every street corner. I get that. The reality is it's dangerous. Uh, and the cannabis market that, that we're involved with is far safer, in fact, uh, safer than alcohol and nicotine, in my mind, our products. 100%. And, and it's a shame that when you go into a medical dispensary now, and I've had a medical card since its inception, um, all those vaping products have been taken off the shelves and put in storage, I'm guessing. They have, they have been all quarantined. And for the most part, oh no, every store has a safe as part of the regulations. It's, it's all in the safe. Everything is, is, is locked up. Uh, but you point out the medical community. That's different than the over-21 community. Some of those people really do rely heavily on the vaping product for health reasons. And that's another differentiation that I think we need to focus on. When I first walked into NET, it was the first thing I said to the patient advocate. I don't like to use the other word. Uh, and it rhymes with bartender. Uh, that being said, I said to him, I just don't want to smoke it anymore. What other ways of ingesting can I, you know, try this with? And, of course, I walked out with edibles and capsules. And, and, and then when they came out with the vape pen, I said, wow, this is... So vaping is better than smoking? Is that what I think? Now, Jordan Tischler, the doctor I go to for all these things, he's saying, you know, I'm thinking maybe smoking might be better than vaping. Well, I'm no scientist. Uh, you said that. <laughs> yeah, I want to emphasize that. A liberal arts major. Uh, but, Me too, by the way. <laughs> but I, I do know that cannabis is a safe product. Uh, I do know that our markets are over 21 and that our products are all tested. And I'm very comfortable uh, in using the product or having my family use the product, those who are over 21, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a good, safe product, and it can be very helpful to those who have medical needs. That's very important. It's a whole lot better than a lot of the alternatives. I mean, I know the governor's worried about the public health. Opiates are everywhere and far more dangerous than anything anybody uh, can, can point to, particularly in the legal market, which is not dangerous at all. Um, and we know that there are plenty of people out there who do believe that you can treat and get people off opioids with cannabis use, including those who suffer from PTSD, our veterans. What's happening to our veterans right now, as far as this goes, is really criminal in my, my mind. 
a number of our patients, there's over 65,000 patient cards in Massachusetts, a number of those are owned by veterans. Uh, and and I, I don't have any exact science as to how many uh, use vaping products, but every one of them should be able to. They're all over 21. They've all served their country. The product that they would be using in a medical dispensary has been tested and is harmless, no additives. And if those veterans need that product, Jimmy, it should be available to them. Um, what do you think the next step's going to be? You know, the, the courts have already said to them, uh, you've got deadlines, you, maybe the procedures, you, you kind of overstepped your authority. Well, look, I like the governor a lot. I like what he's done. But I think that it's important to differentiate. Uh, it, it, you, you cannot generalize. There is a significant problem, apparently, with kids under the age of 21 vaping products that have additives. Well, if you're in that business, you should be out of it. But we're not in that business. We're in the over 21 no additives uh, business, and that's a very different uh, business. And again, as we said earlier, particularly in the medical side of this. Uh, so I'm hoping that there'll be some, uh, and I don't blame the governor for getting, you know, okay, let's, let's, let's look back, let's put a hole, let's look. Now that we've looked, we can see that, okay, this is really an, an illicit market issue. It's an under 21 issue. It has got nothing to do with our legitimate market. And open up the doors again for that legitimate market. Well, I'm hoping that'll happen soon. Um, are you hearing anything? Uh, no, other than, than, than people are working on it. And, 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 and I think we've now tried to make the case that there's a series of different markets here. There's the other 21, there's the illicit, the street, uh, and there's the patient community, which can be under 21, but that there's, that there's that market, and of course then there's the adult use market. And they ought to perhaps be treated differently. You mentioned the illicit market a lot in, in our talk here, and um, one of the things that has happened in California, more mature market, if you will, is that there's more illicit market going on than the legal market. And is it because of the regulations? Is it because of the quality? Is it simply it's cheaper? And by the way, like anything in life, you get what you pay for. Uh, it's, it's a lot of reasons. Uh, you mentioned a number of them. It is cheaper. Hey, look, it was there before. Uh, it wasn't as though we both started at the same time, because if we had, I don't think there'd be an illicit market. There's the very well-established, well-entrenched, huge business market uh, in cannabis, both in California and in Massachusetts. And if you were in that business for a number of years, you'd say, well, why would I get out of it? Or you might even look at our legal market and say, geez, can I get into that thing? Oh, wait a minute. I need all kinds of capital. I need all kinds of regulations. I need all this testing stuff. I can't use my pesticides. I just keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, and the great majority of cannabis sold in both states, California and Massachusetts, is sold illicitly. Do you see law enforcement now looking at that a little bit harsher than, or quicker or more uh, carefully than they did in the past? Because it seems to me that those who have a lot of money invested in this should be urging the law enforcement to get out there and break those, those people. We do urge them. We very much want folks who are operating in our space illegally, like anybody, any legitimate entrepreneur would in any any industry, and no different in cannabis. Uh, I think there's a focus on the larger operators, which is good. Uh, big products, big big amounts coming from out of state, whether it be from, you know, across the southern border or, or more likely from the west or even from the state of Maine where there's a lot of growing. Uh, whatever it comes from, they focus on those, which is great. We want that product out of our state. Again, untested, no idea what it is. Uh, no idea if there's any additives uh, with how much pesticides we used. Uh, but there's so much of it. 
uh, so if you get a bust, you figure, okay, that's one. There's like, like another 10,000 that we got to go get. It is such a huge industry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry in Massachusetts and certainly in California. You know, back in the day, it used to just be, do you know the person? Do you trust them? Because you don't want to get busted. Now you want to know what's in it, how it was grown. How, you know, did you get it tested? Didn't you get it tested? And it, the neat thing is, I believe private citizens can go to the labs and get whatever they get tested. Uh, not in Massachusetts. It's ha it's ha it, it's, it may be happening informally. There is, there's only two labs. There's only two labs licenses. I know one does not do it. Uh, it's MCR and CDX, right? Yeah, right. Uh, and... Uh, I'd advise both of them not to do that. That's not what their license mandates. And please don't encourage that market. You know, if you want tested product, you come to the legitimate market. We have product, plenty of it for sale. And you can grow it yourself in this day. In this day, you can grow it yourself, absolutely. Uh, and then you know what's in it. You know you didn't use pesticides. You know that there was no additives. Uh, if, you, if you are in control of that product from clone to use, you should feel pretty comfortable. But if you're not, uh, I wouldn't feel at all comfortable. Very interesting. Now, I've got to touch on the social um, equity and economic empowerment uh, issue that's been around the town. And, of course, uh, the city of Cambridge now with Rev Clinics, they have a lawsuit. They have this mandate by the city council. How challenging is it for these operators to deal with these host community agreements? It's incredibly challenging. All the... Uh, all the cards are held by the community. There's no leverage on behalf of, of the business at all. The community sets the zone, and they don't, ha they don't have to give you a license. Uh, but if you want to sign the host community agreement, oh, okay, then we'll talk. Uh, so uh, it, there's no leverage at all. It's not a negotiation between equal partners. Once you've spent the time, you've got to get a host community agreement. To get to that point, you have to have a piece of real estate. You have to get it zoned. Probably need local council. You've been paying rent all this time. Maybe you're in there for four, six, eight, even ten months, and you're in there for tens of thousands of dollars. And then the community says, "Well, you got to sign this document." I said, "Well, that's not a fair document." Okay. Next, uh, next we got plenty of people who want to come in here, and hey, we'll sign the document because unfortunately, they're such they're so stressed financially. They want to get to the finish line, and they've invested so much. And so I often hear. Hey, look, Jim, you, you don't have to have it signed. We, these other two guys have already signed it. If your guy doesn't want to sign what they've already signed, we can't do business with you. I get that a lot and a, a number of communities. And frankly, in a way, they're sort of right because those other two guys who already signed this thing wouldn't be treated fairly. But the fact is the document, the document they signed is illegal. It's over the statute. It's not fair. And so, well, next, you know, we don't, you don't need to be here. Uh, there'll be another guy coming along to take that very same space. So... As we listen to the 30-minute announcement coming up on the main stage, it's funny. Uh, they announced that Jim Smith was going to be speaking, but tomorrow at 3 o'clock they're not announcing that I'm speaking, I just want to say, because people don't want to hear me speak. That's the other thing. Yeah. So um, let me ask you about um, Maynard, because as you know in Maynard, um, NUCAN, which is a group that uh, a friend of mine, David Rabinovitz, is involved with, was able to get a host agreement without having a piece of real estate, without having a lease. Can that become a precedent in the state? Every city or town has their own way of doing things. This state and this region, but this state particularly, has an incredible history of parochialism, local community control. 
we have 351 separate jurisdictions, separate cities and towns, 351 separate rules and regulations. Every community has done cannabis differently as well. Mainted, may, may, that was creative on Maynard's part, but now you've got a host community agreement not tied to a piece of property. Okay, happened in Brockton as well. Uh, but you can't go to the CCC, the Cannabis Control Commission, without a piece of property. They're not going to give you a license on, in some place in space. It's got to be attached to a piece of real estate. So you can get the host community agreement first, but then you need to tie down the real estate. That saves money. And that actually Brockton and Maynard, I'm not familiar with other communities that have done it. There may well be some. That's a great model. But it, the, the great the fact is the overwhelming majority of cities and towns want to know where you're going before I give you the host community agreement. Exactly what parcel of land are you going to be on? Then I'll give you the agreement. Um, I think in all these states in this new movement across the country as we move towards what I think ultimately will be at least decriminalization at the federal level and giving all the power back to the states, I really do believe this is going, we're moving in that direction. Um, there is a, uh, a growing movement to expunge all the records of those who have been incarcerated uh, and have been hurt the most by the war on drugs. Um, Steve D'Angelo has the Last Prisoner Project. I know there's actually another group in Massachusetts that's working on this yes. as well. Um, are we ever going to see this? this? I guess that's my question is how, if I'm in jail and I've been busted for possession, yeah. okay, I'm wondering if I'll ever get out at this point because the legislature has to get involved with this or somebody has to work on getting these people out. You could probably, if, if that's your situation, you're in jail, you want to be in Massachusetts. So uh, I think we can probably get you out. Uh, but it's a long, slow slog, and every state is different. Uh, we are doing a lot with expungement here. Uh, there's, a, there's general acceptance of the, of, the, of the fact that those individuals do not belong imprisoned. Uh, and I think that if, 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 if that's the only... Now, the district attorneys always point, point, you know, push back on us and say, well, wait a minute, that's what we ended up convicting them on. But there were these 18 other offenses, and we just waived those, and you, you, you pled on this one. It's a tough situation. But if it's strictly cannabis, you know, I, I, don't, I hope no one is in jail in Massachusetts strictly on cannabis. But the records, too, matter. We do try to expunge the records. There was a, we've done that in the past. We've worked with, 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 with some of the uh, legal aid service uh, groups. And... At this very conference, that we announced a, a, a collaboration with the community colleges of Massachusetts to bring folks in and train them in this industry because there's going to be tens of thousands of jobs that need to be filled. Uh, and these folks need jobs. And not only do we not uh, discriminate against them because of that, 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 that record, we encourage them. We want to hire them. Let me ask you a question about prison reform. Does punishment work? No. Prisons are the stupidest idea ever. Uh, no. I'm so glad to hear that from you, by the way, because we get it wrong in this country. Get it wrong. If, if you are a dangerous society, I don't want you around. Right. But these folks aren't dangerous. So I'm not going to walk down the street in fear for my life. There are people who are kind of mentally really unstable and, and, and need to be kind of set aside from the population, the general population. That's a very, very small number of, of a small percentage of those who are actually in prisons today. We got it wrong. Europe is reforming those prisoners. By the way, Europe doesn't have alcoholics either. The United States leads the league in alcoholics. Um, and pill poppers. We lead, we lead the league in pill poppers, in opiates particularly. So 
can we point the finger at somebody like Big Pharma here, or is it just how this health system has evolved over generations? It's how this country has evolved uh, over generations. Uh, puritanical background and, and really uh, not socially uh, smart. I'm like, okay, individual made a mistake. How do, we, how do we make the best of that situation rather than, hey, let's lock him up for a few years so that he can really become a great, a great criminal with his other, other, you know, put them all together. It's the worst place you could put somebody. Uh, let's, let's try to help some folks. And it's, we're a long way from that. Education continues to be the key in all facets yep. in this particular industry. There's plenty of outlets out there that are teaching. You mentioned the community colleges are getting involved, which I think is a great idea. And I'm pretty sure Alex Morse from Holyoke, the mayor out yep. there, and Marion McNabb from yep. C3RN are right in the middle of this, right? Yeah, there's, 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 there's a program out there. There's a program in, in the Worcester area. But now we have a statewide program. Uh, so the community colleges are the ideal place to help educate folks who want to get into our business and help those folks who need reentry into society with a job. It's a perfect fit. I tell you what, uh, Jim Smith, it's been great sitting down and talking with you. You know, we, we, our paths passed once, and I immediately took a liking to you, and then I heard that you were going to be the keynote at this, and I said, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to sit him down and talk to him. It's been a pleasure to talk to yeah, you. My pleasure, indeed. Always, always great to see you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And that'll do it for another edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young on location at the CWCB Expo here at the Heinz Auditorium in Boston. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Thanks for listening. We are pro-cannabis media. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first.